Right, hello everyone and welcome back to the Man On Podcast. It's Craig here and I thought I'd do a little series ahead of game week 10. I know we're just finishing up with game week 9, but I and I think quite a few other people are considering wildcarding game week 10. I've already committed to that strategy now and I've been thinking about it already for maybe two weeks. Um, what transfers I want to make, which players I want, certain strategies around my wildcard. And there's actually quite a lot to to consider many different paths you can go um so i thought i'd do a little three-part series here on where my head's currently at in terms of the wild card and look at it from a few different perspectives so this is part one and one of the main teams i think for wild carders in game week 10 is arsenal i think there's a handful of teams with good fixtures arsenal liverpool brighton west ham aston villa i think those five stand out as being good teams to target particularly because Many managers that have already wildcarded before game week 10 maybe aren't as stacked up with, with these five teams. And Arsenal and Liverpool, obviously, is teams that I personally expect to finish in the top three this season with great games, two very good teams with fixtures. I, I'm, I'm quite keen to have sort of six assets from, from those two teams where many that have already wildcarded before game week 10 maybe will be going into game week 10 with maybe two or three across Arsenal and Liverpool. So with Liverpool, I think the pool of players is smaller. Um, you don't need me to list out all of the obvious players you might you might want to put on your wild card. But with Arsenal, I think there's so many different ways you can go. There's arguably nine, ten players from Arsenal that are, are valid inclusions on a wild card and certainly worthy of any shortlist you may have um, for, for which players you want on your wild card. So I thought I'd do a bit of a deeper deep dive into Arsenal and see if we can help narrow that list of 10 down um, to, to players we might want. So we'll start with whether to start with double defence or double attack, because I think this is one of the main questions. I think that the general consensus and general feeling right now is that the template will be double defence. But with the likes of Martinelli being back in the team, obviously scoring in game week eight, with Saka being quite highly owned, potentially on penalties and things like that, Jesus now might be returning to play centre-forward, having missed the start of the season and, and then since coming back being stationed more as a left-forward. I think there are other assets to consider for, for Arsenal. So we'll start off with having a look at whether double defence or double attack seems to make the most sense. So on the screen right now is Teams XG through the first eight game weeks. As you can see, Arsenal rank... Um, six in that list next year 15.21 that's how many goals they would have expected to score that's behind Newcastle Liverpool Brighton Aston Villa and Man City now the sharp-eyed among you would, would realise they're Liverpool Brighton and Villa are three teams that I've also just spoken about as having good fixtures for this from game week 10 onwards so it's, it's effectively from what we've seen so far there's three teams with good fixtures coming up, they're actually better attacks than Arsenal based on expected goals. Now, it's only one way to look at a team's attacking capabilities, but I think it's fairly significant. Certainly in comparison to the expected goals conceded, where Arsenal are comfortably the second best. Man City and Arsenal are clear in terms of being the best two defences for how many goals they expect to concede. Um, and interestingly, of all of the, the other teams I listed as having good fixtures coming up, None of the other ones are on this list. There's no Villa, no West Ham, um, no Liverpool uh, and no Brighton. So to me, if we're looking to sort of take advantage of these five teams' fixtures, it would make sense to have at least two Arsenal 
defenders or maybe the goalkeeper. I, I'm going to count Raya as part of the defenders for for this discussion. So, in turn, and, and what's actually happened? The expected and the actual match up fairly well. Arsenal's expected goals are just over 15. They've scored 16. Arsenal's expected goals conceded is seven. They've conceded six. So within reason, they're pretty much in line with expectation. And from looking at this, their defence is far more powerful and potent right now than than their attack. So pretty clear to me here that I'll be looking at at, at double Arsenal defence. I'll move on to the fixtures to see if that makes any big difference. Um Obviously, game week 10 at home to Sheffield United is is, is really eye-catching. Um, also, some other nice home games in the next five. Burnley at home, Wolves at home. Brentford away, maybe not as bad as what it was last season. I think Brentford seemed to have deteriorated a little bit, not quite the same force. Luton away as well. So the next six, I think, for Arsenal, aside from Newcastle away in game week 11, is very good. What I've also added over on the, on the right there is... We obviously just touched on expected goals and expected goals conceded on the last slide. And at the other end of that scale, so the two worst teams for expected goals so far are Sheffield United and Burnley, who are Arsenal's next two home games and two fixtures in the next three game weeks. So that's probably another sort of positive towards going Arsenal defence, that those two teams are the least potent in the league and are expected to score the fewest goals based on current performance and current data. So double defence against those two attacks looks very good. And then the sort of away games in the next four are Newcastle and Brentford. And both of those two rank in the top five for expected goals conceded. So those games won't be good for the Arsenal attack. So we've got two home games that look very good for Arsenal defence and two away games that don't look very good for the Arsenal attack. So again, I think that the, the last slide was, was pretty clear that double Arsenal defence was the way. I think this slide backs it up, at least in the next four game weeks, that double Arsenal defence, maybe even triple Arsenal defence, you might want to consider. At a time when there's not loads of defenders to own, it feels like a, a wild card defence is quite hard to come by. Obviously, Simakas has now sort of come in, into the discussion for Liverpool, which is helpful. Um, but if we don't want to be going into the fixtures with Villa defenders, West Ham defenders, things like that, Brighton defenders... There is an argument that there is a, a lot of options in, in midfield in particular. Now, it would be risky to, to go without Saka and we'll get on to him later. But there is an argument and it could be quite a big um, points gainer that we go in with, with triple Arsenal defence for this one. So don't write that off as, as a possibility because the next six weeks, I think, in particular, um, I think look very good for the Arsenal defence. So we'll move on. I won't go into massive detail a bit here about Arsenal tactics. But this is the shape they like to play with the ball. They like to get into what we, we call a 3-2-5 system. And there's different ways and player sort of iterations that that get into this system. So obviously Arsenal set up with a, with a back four in defensive shape with, with one of those options moving into midfield from fullback. Now, Durian Timber's injury early in the season has made it tricky for Arsenal because I think he was possibly going to become the first choice to, to do that. And he could do it from left back or right back. Um, mainly because he's generally a better defender than Zinchenko and I think was regarded as having similar on, on ball capabilities as Zinchenko. So they, they wasn't losing anything when the fullback inverted into midfield, but when they was back in defensive shape, Arsenal getting a better defender. So I think it's maybe been a bit downplayed and a bit underestimated quite his loss to the squad in particular because of his versatility in the sense he inverted from both sides and what else that allowed. But obviously he's he's out now. 
So now we're back to two possible inversions, really. It's going to be Zinchenko from left-back or Thomas Partey from right-back. And there's knock-on effects, again, depending on what side. So when Zinchenko inverts from left-back, I think we'll get Gabriel, um, Saliba and White as the first choice, other three defenders. If Partey inverts from right-back um, and Zinchenko misses out, I think there's more of a risk then of Gabriel also missing out. So Partey inverts from right-back, that would mean a back three, I think, more likely of um, White, Saliba and a more defensively sound left-back. Probably Tommy Asu at the moment. Maybe Kiwior as well, because both of those two can defend at left-back in the defensive shape where Gabriel maybe is a bit shaky um, when Partey's playing at right-back and fill, fill in quite well into the, into the back three. So just point out now that if you are looking at double defence with Gabriel and Zinchenko as your two options, that could be a little bit risky because I think one impacts the other. If Zinchenko's not in the team, I think there's a lower possibility of Gabriel also being in the team. So you could end up with both your Arsenal defenders playing on neither. And obviously neither is not going to be good because you, you're then going to be resorting to paying your, your cheapest defender. And maybe you may even have two cheap defenders that will have to play together. Um, mention Raya quickly here as well, that there's obviously some concerns over his minutes and whether he's nailed, whether he's first choice, whether there will still be rotation with Ramsdale. I can't comment whether there will or won't be, but he does offer Arsenal a different dynamic on the ball. And you would have seen a couple of teams lately use goalkeepers a lot higher in build-up play. You'll remember the goal Brighton scored against Liverpool most recently when Alisson was out of position, um, playing sort of outside his box and, and getting more involved in build-up. It is what teams are doing now, looking for overloads and spare men in certain phases of play, that a goalkeeper is now becoming part of the defensive line. So it's not really 3-2-5 anymore. Arsenal could arguably try and play 3-3-5 and one of the back three is now the goalkeeper in, in this phase of play. And by putting an extra player into the midfield on, or into the attack, you're getting an overload in there. So it is something teams are playing with and, and adapting to and, and trialling. Um, and Raya is a far better asset than than Ramsdale in, in, in that side of the game, a bit calmer on the ball, um, maybe a bit of a more accurate long passer as well. So we get into the midfield and Declan Rice is obviously in there with one of the inverted fullbacks. So that's all, all fine. Ahead of that, you'll see player eight here is, is Martin Odegaard, who's actually, I think, playing a little bit deeper than last year. So if you look at last season with Arsenal, they played Party more as the number six. And they played Granite Xhaka next to him as like a scuttling number eight who got up and down, tried to get into the box, but also was more useful defensively. Kai Havertz technically has replaced Granite Xhaka in this system, but he's playing it very differently. He's not so deep. And there's reasons for that. He's more of a, a physical presence. I'm not saying he's a particularly physical player. He's quite um, quite lightweight and things like that, but he's got height and stature. And especially with Raya in the team now, and because of the way opponents can press now, um, I think a lot of teams are, are wisening up to pressing structures and things like that. And it's harder now for teams to play out from the back. It's harder to get a spare man in the build-up, which is why teams are looking at using the goalkeeper more in, in this sort of way. Maybe an impact to why Brighton maybe aren't quite so deadly this year either, because the way they try and play has been nullified a bit more. One way Arsenal tried to find a solution to this with, with Havertz is that they just leave him a bit higher up the pitch. So he's basically playing as more of a number 10 than a number eight. And it means Arsenal can play more direct. If you look at last year, that the front three more often than not was, was Martinelli, Jesus and Saka. 
none of those three are particularly tall. None of those three are particularly dominant in the air. And none of those three are particularly physical in terms of 1v1 battles when you want to play like a, a longer ball into them. They're very good with the ball on their feet, very good for energy. But the outlet of having a sort of a more direct pass wasn't really on. By putting Havertz in the team for Arsenal, I think they've given themselves an extra dimension to their attacking play Arsenal by being able to go a bit longer from, from Raya straight up to Havertz. Can he get the ball down? Can he win a flick on? Um, and Arsenal get into the final third a lot quicker. Um, last year, they didn't really have that at their disposal because they didn't have the players for it. The sacrifice to doing that, obviously, is that there's one less player in the build-up because the the role that Xhaka was playing has now been lost. So I do think Martin Odegaard is now being asked to play a little bit deeper, more involved in build-up and progressing the ball forwards because as much as Arsenal want to play with a front five, one of those two do, does need to come a bit deeper to help progress the ball up the pitch. Um, so I think his role has changed a little bit and adapted a little bit, certainly in games when Havertz is playing as a number 10 slash number 8. Won't be all games that they set up in this system, but I think this is the sort of chosen system now for Arsenal. And then, obviously, the same front three as last year when everyone's fit. So, looking at this now, if you was going to say to me what's Arsenal's most regular eleven, I would say it's Raya in goal. It's Zinchenko, Gabriel, Saliba, White, um, Rice, Odegaard, Havertz, Martinelli, Jesus, Saka uh, in this system. So, Zinchenko's in midfield in uh, with the ball, with Rice. The back three is Gabriel, Saliba, um, White. Um, Odegaard may be playing a little bit deeper now than Havertz because of sort of the extra dimension to the attacking play. And then the front three of Martinelli, um, Jesus and Saka. We haven't necessarily seen this in all games so far. As I said earlier, Jesus, I don't think he's played a game at centre-forward yet for various reasons. Uh, Ray is obviously fairly new into the first team and that's a, a new dimension as well. So this is how Arsenal are going to try and play. And these are the players I'm going to focus on, that eleven. Um, when when looking through this pod. So there obviously are other options. You could look at Trossard, Enketia uh, and things like that, but I'm not going to, I don't think they're serious considerations because I don't think they're really first choice if everyone else is fit and available. So we'll start going through the positions now with um, the goalkeeper first. So David Raya. So I think he's first choice because of that extra dimension he gives them, the extra comfort he has in playing outside the box and maybe being more involved in the build-up. Um, and things like that. So I think he's in the team now as first choice with the caveat that I think it's game week 13. They play Brentford. I think he's not allowed to play in that game because he's on loan from Brentford. So I'll miss that one. But I would expect him to come straight back into the team um, after that. So on the screen now is a slide for points per start so far. Because it wouldn't be fair to do it across the whole season because Ray has only played four games when most of the other keepers, or certainly all of them on this slide, have played eight apart from Emi Martinez who missed one uh, injured for Villa. Played seven. So I've, I've compared Raya to the other, what you'd call premium goalkeepers of the good team, so Man City, Newcastle and, and Liverpool. And then I've compared him to the other goalkeepers who may be attractive around his price point. And then Ariola and Turner, who I think a lot of wildcarders may consider as their two goalkeepers just because they're cheap, they're playing. And if you want things like Salah and Haaland in your team and things like that, you, you need to save budget somewhere. So that's one way to do it is just to pick the two cheap goalkeepers. So looking through it so far, only Sam Johnston. For, so the list is Edison and Pope Allison. They all cost 5.5 or 5.6. So straight away you're getting a goalkeeper from a, a similar team, arguably a better defensive team based on the numbers from the earlier slide for at least 0.7 cheaper. So that's instantly in, in Raya's favour. 
Um, he's now actually priced up in, similar to like Burnt Leno and Sam Johnston, who are goalkeepers from clearly inferior teams on the whole. Certainly over a, a whole season, you would expect Arsenal to keep more clean sheets than the likes of Fulham and Crystal Palace. Um, and points per start-wise, he's the best of all of the goalkeepers on this list. 5.5 points per start so far, four appearances, three clean sheets. Um, Sam Johnson, the only goalkeeper with more clean sheets with four. Um, so he's, he's scoring like two points per game more than the other goalkeepers who are more expensive and play for sort of similar elite teams, we'll call them. So I think he's, he's clearly a standout over Edison, Pope and Allison. if you were considering any of those on your wild card, He's massively outscoring Emmy Martinez as well, who's roughly the same price. And he's scoring better than Burnt Leno. Um, points per start and that's despite Leno keeping more clean sheets than expected I would say three and eight and he's obviously been racking up the save points that may continue or may not Johnson's quite interesting say four clean sheets in eight um, injury now to um, Dean Henderson makes his starts a bit more secure than maybe they were three four weeks ago so he's still valid and then uh, Ariola is scoring 4.1 points per start and Matt Turner three just the one clean sheet from Ariola though interesting and if we do think that West Ham will get more clean sheets in this next time, upcoming fixture run. He's quite a good option. Turner, I still think on a game-to-game basis is, is a risk that you, you always feel like he might drop out. Forrest have felt like they've signed up a bit defensively lately, so I can see why you'd get him. Um, but realistically, if you're getting Areola and Turner, you're going to want to play Areola every week. My question to that would be, are West Ham a good enough defence um, to warrant picking their goalkeeper pretty much every game week. Some some of you may argue that's fine. To me, I I think I'd rather have a goalkeeper and my three defenders playing for what I would call good teams. I think it's possible this year with the pricing that we can have a regular starting eleven in our FPL teams that play for the best six, the best eight teams. I don't think we need to be resorting to starting players regularly from the likes of Nottingham Forest. I'm going to class West Ham in this group, um, Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, um, teams like that. I think that the top eight, I think West Ham are, are close. Like There's players in there. Bowen, I think, if you is a fine hold. And Buemo at Brentford is a fine hold. There's odd players from these teams, a bit like they used to be with like Madison at Leicester, for example. We always found a way to have him in the team, even if maybe Leicester weren't the best team for assets. But on the whole, at the moment, to me, I'm I'm looking at a wild card where I can get my starting eleven made up of like ten players from the best five or six teams. Maybe have Jared Bowen in there with them because the fixtures are so good and he's got that sort of talisman capabilities um, from midfield. So this has strengthened my position. I'm I'm going to be, I think, trying to get Raya into my team. I'll find the extra over Ariola and Turner because. I just feel more confident week to week of having an Arsenal goalkeeper than having a West Ham goalkeeper. And points per game is, is justified at the moment. And I think there is an argument that don't look to gift us in the mouth. We've been presented with an opportunity here at 4.8 million to have a goalkeeper from arguably one of the best two defences in the league. That doesn't happen all that often in FPL. And it's an advantage for us, again, over the earlier wildcarders who, who maybe played their wildcard in a week where Raya was... We weren't quite sure where he stood in the Arsenal pecking order. Was he? We always knew, I think, he'd come into the team eventually. But at the time of like game week six, for example, that was, had he played one game by then or maybe still hadn't even broken into the team. So he wasn't really an option for wildcarders at that point. We've, we've got a bit of a, an opportunity here, I think, with him. So 
Moving on to the defenders, and this is a bit trickier because I think White, Saliba, Zinchenko and Gabriel, I think there's a positive for all four of them. So White is quite expensive at 5.6, the most expensive, but his XGI is the best. So he's more likely of the four to be involved in goals. Obviously, if he's involved in goals, that will impact his baseline bonus and things like that. I think we saw towards the back end of last season that he was gradually getting more involved. And I do think the introduction of Raya now into build-up and the fact Arsenal, at least at home, have got really good attacking fixtures. White may be given a little bit more licence to get forward. They they could play Zinchenko. Invert, I think there's Zinchenko games, these easy home games. You invert him into midfield next to Rice. And, and White's also given a bit of a licence to get forward as well. And Arsenal's back three in defensive shape becomes Gabriel, Raya and Saliba in build-up. So... I think he's a bit under underappreciated for this next coming run, Ben White. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the next sort of six to eight game weeks, he pops up with a couple of attacking returns. If he does, Arsenal keep clean sheets. He'll be amongst the bonus. I think he's, I wouldn't call him a differential at 12.4% ownership. And again, there's other Arsenal defenders here that are cheaper if we're looking to save budget, especially if we now are going to put Raya in goal. But don't be surprised if over this next batch of games, he gets more points than the other three Arsenal defenders. Again, whether that'll be enough extra points to justify the extra the extra spend is, is debatable. But I think the fixtures are there for him. The way Arsenal are playing right now suggests that he's capable of, of more attacking returns than maybe we've seen so far. Then we come down to Saliba, a bit of protection because he's the most highly owned, 26%. And he's just generally Mr. Dependable. For all the metrics, he's fairly steady. He's got better XGI right now than Gabriel, and that might not continue. Historically, Gabriel's been better, but at least for this season, Saliba is, is better. Played more games, I guess, though, which may impact into that. Um, minutes per baseline bonus is better than Gabriel, so if neither of them get an attacking return, Saliba's more likely than Gabriel to be in the bonus. That might be one point a game or something, but it all adds up. Um, and he's just generally more now. I've already mentioned with Gabriel that if Arsenal do decide to invert from right back from party, that's a risk to his minutes. And if we're looking at a wildcard defence right now that may have a, a cheap fourth and fifth defender, if we do want to accommodate Haaland and Salah, or even a fourth defender who's not necessarily cheap, but someone we don't want to rely on each week, someone like, I don't know, Mark Gwehi, someone like that. Perfectly fine fourth defender. But I think we, we've got him as sort of a, not a last resort, but someone that will, will come in if we really need them to. Um, I, I, if you have to play him in like four of the next eight weeks, I don't think we'd really be happy with that from him as our as our fourth defender. So Saliba will is the most nailed probably of all the Arsenal defenders. So if you want that security of making sure you look at your team and think my defence isn't that good, um, it's fine, but not amazing, not much depth. You may want to go to Saliba just because he's going to play the most games and you may want that guaranteed starter in your team rather than if he dropped, if you have Gabriel and he misses out, then you're playing three of your other four defenders who may not be that good. So I think there's an argument for Saliba. If you do have better defenders, let's say you, you can get to a defence where your fourth defender is someone better. Let's just say Pedro Porro, for example. Tottenham's fixtures aren't super amazing for the next run, but he's he's quite a good own. If, if, you, if you're going in now with the, the possibility of Porro, Cash, um, Simakas, and then an Arsenal defender... I think there's an argument there. Cash is going to play most games in the coming run. Poro, you wouldn't mind playing. Um, and then Simakas is obviously a good own as well right now. Maybe you could punt Zinchenko in that circumstance. You bench Poro most weeks because, or a doggy, because 
he's cheaper and think I wouldn't mind playing a Tottenham, but they're probably the weakest of, of these four defenders. Um, but if I had to play him, I'm, I'm more than happy with that in comparison to someone like Colwell or Gwehi, who've got weaker fixtures and you might not be so keen to play them. Zinchenko is cheaper than Saliba, 4.9, a bigger differential. Always nice, I think, on a wild card to have more less-owned players because if they obviously do well, you get more of the game from that. Minutes per baseline bonus is the best for Arsenal. So again, if none of them get attacking returns, he's probably the more likely of the four to get some bonus points. And his XGI is fairly steady, better than the two centre-backs right now, not quite as good as White. The other thing with Zinchenko that's not mentioned on this slide is the fact that he's also quite prone to being subbed off. Now, there's there's a risk that it might be pre-60 minutes, and then obviously we don't get the clean sheet if Arsenal keep him on at that point. On the positive, if it's about 65 minutes, then obviously that clean sheet would get locked in at that point, and Arsenal's still got another 25 minutes in the game to concede. And if you have another defender like a Saliba, and they concede sort of late on, that clean sheet gets wiped out. It wouldn't for Zinchenko if he's been subbed off. So I actually think it's a bit of a, a positive that he's prone to an early substitution because Arsenal last season, at least, I, I didn't think were particularly good at holding leads. I think they resorted in, I think their press dropped off if it was 1-0, 20 minutes to go. They they fell into a bit more of a defensive shape to try and hang on to the lead and maybe didn't always do it. Certainly in the back end of the season when Saliba got injured, it become even more of a problem. So this season, Arsenal have been better. I think they've, they've shown a couple of games already that they're, they're a bit more resilient and a bit more focused and can hang on to a lead. It was a Crystal Palace game I'm thinking of early in the season, wasn't it? It was 1-0 up and they, they saw the game out. So maybe nothing to really worry about, but it is a small small positive in Zinchenko's favour, I think, that the early sub might mean locking in that clean sheet that others might not get. Um, and just to um, reiterate what I said earlier between Zinchenko and Gabriel, that picking both of them I think is quite dangerous if you're going to do that because... I say I think one impacts the other one's minute. Certainly Zinchenko is a big influence on whether Gabriel plays. On to Gabriel. The, the, obviously, the clear benefit to him is, is the price, 4.7. He's the cheapest way into the Arsenal defence, even cheaper than Raya as well. Um, so again, if, you, if you're struggling for budget and you just want one Arsenal defender, then understandably you, you can pick him. And I do think he'll play 80-90% of the next batch of games. I think that the way Arsenal would rather invert is from Zinchenko. And the games, maybe they won't. And the games against harder opposition, where they want a better defender at left-back, 1v1. Um, so if Arsenal playing Liverpool, for example, I think Arsenal would understand that Tomiyasu is a better 1v1 defender than Zinchenko. So they may play Tomiyasu left-back in that particular game. And because of that, they may play Party at right-back with the added benefit then that Party moves into midfield and is a more physically dominant and... Um, just you know, more up for those physical battles in midfield. So with, with Zinchenko, you get better ball progression. You get more safety on the ball in midfield. With Party, you get a more physical player and someone who's just generally a bit more used to playing in a defensive role in midfield. So it suits Arsenal in two ways, really. They get a better left-back in Tomiyasu, a better defensive left-back, I should say, than, than Zinchenko. And they get an inverted full-back who's more at home in centre midfield doing the defensive dirty work should we say in, in party so it's a win-win for Arsenal really but realistically they're not the games you're going to want to play your Arsenal defender in anyway they're the games against the likes of Newcastle against the likes of Liverpool um, those teams with sort of more more dangerous wingers out wide and a bit more front foot play where Arsenal may have to be a bit more resilient so if Gabriel misses those sorts of games because 
of the way Arsenal are shuffling their defence around, maybe that's not the end of the world. So for the, for the good games, at least, the home games against the sort of teams you expect to finish in the bottom half, I do think it will be Zinchenko, Gabriel, Saliba and White, barring any injuries or possible rest rotation that might be needed around Champions League. So no clear, I think it's individual needs here, personal preference. White's got the better attacking capability. Saliba is more, the most nailed. Zinchenko, I think, is 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 a bit more maverick, but and depend on who your fourth defender is. If you've got a good fourth defender, I think he's worth consideration. Gabriel, if you just need to have the cheapest one. So no big standout, but hopefully there there's some thoughts around all of those four defenders and which one might suit your setup the best. Uh, I've lost the Arsenal. I've jumped ahead. Um, so we'll do the midfielders next. Um, as you can see right now, Saka um, clear in terms of ownership, 48.5%. So pretty much half the game have him. Um, if you don't have him right now, I sold him in my base team the other week to get Sun in and his price has dropped back down to 8.5, 8 which is quite helpful. Same price for Martin Odegaard, 8.5. I've already spoken earlier about the fact he might be playing a little bit deeper now. Martinelli at 7.7 .7 is, is quite interesting, mainly because he's 4.3% owned. In terms of, spoke about Zinchenko on the last slide, about being a sort of a, a lower-owned asset can be quite good on wildcard. I think you'll struggle to find the midfielder with Martinelli's upside for the next batch of games at quite that ownership. So if you are looking at picking a team with two or three different players in there that might help you sort of gain five, ten points a week and be responsible for quite a big rank gain each week. I think he's he's up there as different in sort of that top echelon of players as differentials that you want to consider. Kai Havertz, even lower owned at 1.6%, understandable because his impact, in certainly in terms of goals and assists, has been quite minimal up until now. And then I threw Declan Rice in there as well at 5.4. Again, we saw last year with Xhaka in certain runs of games that he did get attacking returns and goal involvements. And Rice is obviously this year's equivalent, so I'll, I'll put him on there. What this is showing to me is that Saka is the standout. Six big chances is three times as many as any other Arsenal midfielder so far. And his XGI is over six, or actually we rounded up to seven, which is at least double anyone else. So clear standout. I think the price is fair. 8.5. He... So he's got good ownership. So if you don't have him and he does well, that's quite damaging to your rank. So I think he's worth covering off for that reason. And on the whole, we still think he's on penalties, even though he may give some to Havertz, he may give some to Odegaard. So if you if you do want to go with two Arsenal attackers, then there are some other options on here. Odegaard, second best for Arsenal. Two big chances so far in, in eight game weeks. 3.62 XGI. So he could take penalties. Um, but that relationship with Havertz in the team is, is not ideal for him. He is playing a bit deeper and is, say, more involved in build-up than he than he probably was last year. So Martinelli's interesting at 7.7, .7, really nice price, really low ownership, which is good. The bad news with him is no big chances so far. And his XGI is only actually 1.32. So I think there will be a consensus amongst FPL managers that he's underperformed so far. In terms of data, he's actually overperformed. I think he's... Expected goal involvement is only 1.32. His actual goal involvement is three. So, yeah, three goals and assists. So he's overperforming the data. Now, what are the reasons for this? Is it because Arsenal are settling into a new system that involves Raya, that involves Havertz in particular? And Havertz obviously plays near to Martinelli, plays down the same side. So is that having an influence? 
mentioned earlier as well, Jesus hasn't been around this year. I think it was common knowledge from last year that Martinelli was was better with Jesus in the team. There was a more of a natural sort of switching of roles between those two. Enketia is maybe a bit better at holding the centre of the pitch and remaining as like a number nine. It doesn't interchange maybe quite as well as Jesus. He's a bit more dynamic in his movements and is prepared to maybe sort of run the flanks a little bit more, pull into the wide areas. And when he does that, that and it frees up space for Martinelli to switch with him and make those out to in runs and get in the box a bit more. So I think it's a little bit of a leap of faith with Martinelli that is he going to improve now? He's back in the team and had a little rest. Is he going to improve for Jesus coming back into the team? Are they starting to strike a balance now with our Havertz is sort of fitting into the system? So nothing in the data suggests so far that he's worth having to me. But nothing in the data suggested Trippier was worth having through the opening four or five game weeks. And he's obviously gone off on a good run since for Newcastle. So I wouldn't be surprised if Martinelli came good uh, in the next sort of six game weeks. Certainly if Jesus is playing centre forward, I think that helps him. Um, so I wouldn't put people off having him, but the data right now suggests that he's probably not better than the second Arsenal defender would be my takeaway. Um, Havertz, we haven't seen enough yet to really consider, unless you've got big budget problems. Um, and even if you, you sort of fishing in the waters of a, a 7 million midfielder, it's probably better from other teams, the likes of Matoma, the, the likes of Moussa Diaby, the likes of Jared Bowen, all those players at similar prices to Havertz. I think you'd rather have one of those than, than him right now. But I say the system is geared towards getting the ball to him up the pitch and he is retaining quite a high high starting position. So if Arsenal are going to dominate games, get bodies forward, he'll be in the mix, shall we say, to for attacking returns. So Arteta clearly likes him. He's in a position that is capable of getting returns. Again, a bit like Martinelli, but to even an even bigger stand. It's a bit of a leap of faith to expect it of him. And then Rice may have more license to get forward. If 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 Arsenal are going to be more attacking in these easier games and they've got an inverted fullback, they may try and squeeze an extra body into sort of attacking phases of play, especially with Raya coming out to sort of join in with that as well. So Rice is a bit more of a attacking six. We've seen it with Rodri a little bit at Man City this year, haven't we? That he's been a little bit more involved than maybe last year in attacking play. He's had a couple of goal goal involvements already. Um, and Rice has that capability of, of emulating what Rodri's done. Um, does that make him one of the best three Arsenal assets for this run? Probably not. But again, if you want a cheap player, um, he could get some returns for his XGI is 1.22 so far, which is pretty much in line with Martinelli, just, just to throw that in there. And then onto the strikers. So Jesus is really hard to gauge right now because he hasn't actually played up front yet. He was injured and then he, he spent minutes playing out on the left. So comparing him to the other strikers in the game felt a bit unfair. So what I've done is taken per 90 minutes stats from last year, where Jesus did obviously spend a lot of time playing centre forward. And I've compared that to how the other strikers are doing this season per 90 minutes to see where Jesus ranks. So Haaland this season averaging 1.02 goals per, per 90 minutes with an XGI of 1.07. Big chances per 90 minutes is 1.91. Second closest to him is Alexander Isak. Um, actually averaging more goals per 90. XGI per 90 is very similar. And big chances per 90 is very similar. So for a, a big saving of 6.5, Isak's numbers compared to Haaland are very, very close. And Haaland certainly isn't performing like someone who's 6.5 million more than Isak. Now, obviously, Haaland's more nailed. Um, a better captaincy option, you could argue, and things like that. But for those that sort of already feeling like their, their front two are going to be Haaland and Watkins. 
something to consider here that Isak's cheaper than Watkins. We're talking about saving money earlier. Would you be better going with sort of Turner as one of your two keepers and Watkins up front? Or would you be better turning Turner into Raya and then turning Watkins into Isak? Because as a pairing, Isak and Raya are probably a, pretty much a very similar price to what Turner and Watkins would be. Just something to weigh up because goals per 90, Isak's twice as good as Watkins. XGI per 90 is almost twice as good as well. And big chances per 90 is getting an extra one per game. So we do have to overcome that obstacle that Isak's a minute's risk. He will lose minutes to Wilson. Obviously, they're in the Champions League as well, which might mean that Isak misses the easier league games, you could argue, because I think he'll be the first choice for the Champions League games. So if they're going to give Wilson starts, you would imagine it would be in sort of the inferior league games, which is obviously not what you want if you've got an Isak owner. But, but something to bear in mind that he's probably the second best striker right now in data. Darwin Nunes, also better than Ollie Watkins. Um, 0.74 goals per 90, 0.94 XGI per 90, 2.16 big chances per 90. He's actually best of everyone right now. So for those looking at getting three Liverpool in, thinking, how am I going to do that? I think Simakas is standing out now as one of your three. If you want Salah as one, that's fine. He'll be your second one. Could you squeeze Darwin in as your second striker rather than Watkins? Again, 0.8 saving, far more big chances per game, better XGI or per 90 minutes. Again, it's a minutes risk. So it's what you want from your second striker, really. Do you want Watkins, who's more nailed, but numbers-wise is is inferior to, to Darwin and to Isak, and he's more expensive? So do you pay the premium to get someone with weaker stats, or do you save money and get someone who's a bit more of a minutes risk, but promises more when they're on the pitch? And then where Jesus fits into this, his numbers are a lot closer to Watkins. He is 0.3 cheaper, um, but it's, from last season, his XGI per 90 his goals per 90 and his big chances per 90 are very, very similar to what Watkins is is generating this season. So doesn't look like Jesus uh, Jesus is one of is probably the best for second striker right now. Um one he's not guaranteed to play 90 either with with Enketia around um and things like that. So I'm not fully on board with Jesus, I don't think as a striker for me. I think I would rather pay the slight extra for Watkins of the over him, but I do think there's a valid argument for a second striker or maybe even a third striker if you're going to play three up front of really, really considering Isak or Darwin over Watkins because it's quite a big saving to be made there and their numbers are better if you can sort of be sort of contenting yourself that those reduced minutes are, are worth the extra upside. Um, That's it for this pod. I hope you find that useful on where you stand with Arsenal. I think my takeaway is at the moment, I'm, I am looking to play Raya in goal. Um, and I am going to have Saka in midfield and I'm going to have one defender. And who I go for right now, I'm not sure because I don't quite know the setup of my defence. And it goes back to what I was saying. I don't think I'll have Ben White. I don't think I'll have that extra budget to sort of chase that extra upside that he gives. If I need to save budget, I would be prepared to have Gabe, Gabriel. If I'm looking at a, third, a fourth and a fifth defender that I don't really like the look of week to week, I would have Saliba. If I end up in a position where my fourth defender is someone like an Adoggy, who I feel like is someone that I would be prepared to play in odd weeks where Zinchenko is not available, then I will go to Zinchenko. So not settled on that decision yet, but I think this pod has helped me at least lay out where I think the best three Arsenal assets are. If you like this pod, then please like, follow, subscribe to the Man On um, YouTube channel. Follow all the guys on, on social media as well. And remember, this is part one of the three-part series that I'm going to do on Wildcard Game Week 10. 
Um, it'll be the only one I released before the game week nine deadline. So um, await the other two parts um, next week. Um, not completely clarified what the topics will be precisely yet. So I won't give you any load down right now on, on what the subjects of those will be. But um, I'm, I'm sure they'll be just as useful for you. So yeah, thanks guys. And uh, speak to you again soon. Cheers.